What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode. Today's episode is going to be brought to you by Hotshot Brewery. Oh, yeah. The premier official sponsor, I guess. They're, yeah, they're official now. Yeah, official, unofficial. I don't know. Anyways, they sponsor the podcast by slinging our merch. And if you guys want some of your Band of Brothers tees or some stickers or some other stuff, head over to www.hotshotbrewery.com and check them out. Their kick-ass coffee for a good-ass cause. A uh, portion of their proceeds actually goes back to the Wildland Firefighter Foundation. So get yourself some good coffee. Check out their Spotfire blend or their Scratch Line blend or Hopefully they'll get that uh, sawdust blend back on the shelves. But uh, yeah, that was probably my favorite so far. But anyways, it's good coffee for a good cause, like I said. And uh, yeah, if you guys need any other tools of the trade to get your morning started off right, definitely check them out. They've got aero presses. They've got pour over systems. They've got shirts to help support that wildland firefighting culture. So go ahead and check them out. But also... I have a little public service announcement from one of our friends and the founder of the ass movement. And that is the anti-surface, you know what, movement. Anyways, here's a little message from Booze. Hey, Fire and Outdoors friends. This is Booze again, founder and czar of the anti-surface movement, a.k.a. the ass movement. I know what you're thinking. Yes, my real name is Booze. And a firm, this is a serious movement. Surface is a long surface problem we've walked past, haven't dealt with, and complained about for too long. It's time we take action to resolve this tissue issue, folks. Rolling up our sleeves and talking this shit is the first step we can take in flushing the surface subject. Secondly, stickers for the movement are available for purchase for a short time through the Ass Movement's Instagram. And moving forward, I'm super stoked to let you know that the Ass Movement will have t-shirts as well as stickers available over at hotshotbrewery.com. With portions of proceeds going to help clean up and raise awareness of this hideous and heinous hygiene hazard, as well as a portion to helping out an Alaskan fire brother in dyers with a rare illness. Everyone wins in this movement. So head on over to hotshopbrewery.com and when you buy some of their awesome coffee, grab a shirt, get some stickers to slap up on a kiosk or sign, and let's bury this shit once and for all. All right, booze. Thanks, man. Definitely uh, appreciate what you're doing over there at the ass movement. And thanks for the little PSA, man. Hopefully we'll drum up some support for your organization there. Anyways, another sponsor of the show is going to be mystery ranch. And if you guys haven't been wearing a mystery ranch backpack fireline pack for, I don't know the entirety of your career. Well, you've probably been living underneath a rock. So I don't know about this. If you guys know this or not, but they make a ton of other excellent load-bearing equipment, some of the finest in the world, and it is always built for the mission. So go over to www.mysteryranch.com and check out their full line of EDC packs, hiking packs, expeditionary grade bags, everything that you can imagine. Hell, they even make briefcases. So if you guys, uh, I don't know, need a a bag to throw your PG gear in underneath the seat in your buggy or a hotel bag or whatever, definitely hit them up. They've got a lot of options over there. Also, they're doing a uh, a lot of good work. Actually, they've partnered up with the Smoky Generation to provide some of those grants for uh, some of you guys in the field. And they're also coming out with the Backbone series here pretty soon. And I am super stoked about that. Uh, It's going to be an interesting little endeavor. And uh, I plan on working with them and spreading the message. So that'll be coming down the pipelines here shortly. But anyways, if you guys need anything from those guys, uh, definitely check them out on uh, Experticity formerly known as, uh, what is that called? Promotive. So yeah, 
promo to turn into experticity. Anyways, check them out on experticity and or check them out on the old website, www.mysteryranch.com. And last but not least, the Anger Point Podcast is brought to you by the Smoky Generation, also known as the American Wildfire Experience. And if you guys don't know what that is, well, go check it out. Go over to www.wildfireexperience.org and check it out. It's basically uh, over 100 stories, kind of a digital catalog of over 100 stories about wildland firefighting here in North America, dating all the way back to the 1940s. It's pretty epic. And uh, yeah, they've got the their socials going. They've got a Facebook. They've got an Instagram. I'm pretty sure they have a Twitter as well. But if you go over to their website and check out everything, check it all out. You know, some good lessons learned and uh, it's, it's pretty epic. Anyways, uh, another thing that they do is they give back to the community and the way they do that is they actually have some $500 grants available for you folks in the field to help fuel your adventures. They've teamed up with Water Axe Pumps and Mystery Ranch to help facilitate this. And if you guys happen to be a blogger, a photographer, a writer, a cinematographer that's in the realm of wildland firefighting, go check it out. And uh, hopefully you guys can win one of those grants. So anyways, if you guys are interested, go check out www.wildfireexperience.org and soak it all up. It's epic. Opinions of this podcast do not reflect the views and opinions of the United States government, the Department of the Interior, the Department of Defense, the Department of Agriculture, the United States Forest Service, the Bureau of Land Management, National Park Service, the Bureau of Indian Affairs, or any private, municipal, county, or state firefighting organization, any law enforcement agency, any medical provider, or any contractor employed by any federal agency. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast. Hope everybody's doing well. I know life is, uh, I don't know, turned a little bit upside down right now, and I hope that everybody's doing well on their corona quarantine. Take this time to uh, take it as an opportunity. Take it uh, as an opportunity to learn something, get some training in, and uh, yeah, get some extra PT in. Yeah, take care of your damn selves. Anyways, today on the show, I've got a gentleman by the name of Chris Hoyne. He's a retired firefighter paramedic from Florida, and now he is one of the head honchos, uh, particularly in the community outreach program over at North American Rescue. He's got a lot of stuff. He goes over the importance of quality training and quality equipment in your EMS bag. So EMTs, listen up. You guys might be able to uh, get a couple discounts and uh, pick up some quality quality equipment for your EMT bags. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Chris Hoyne on the Anchor Point podcast. Welcome to the Anchor Point. Oh, cool. You ready to get into it, man? Yeah. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Anchor Point podcast. Today on the show, I've got Chris Hoyne from North American Rescue. What's going on, Chris? Not much, man. Thank you for having me. Oh yeah. Anytime. So you guys are like the premier leader in my opinion of like tactical medicine courses, stop the bleed programs. You make kick-ass equipment. So let's talk about you. Let's talk about North American rescue. Let's just lay it all down. 
All right. Uh, so as far as I go, uh, I, I'm a firefighter paramedic. I retired uh, in 2017 to work full time for North American Rescue. Uh, I worked in Clearwater, Florida. Uh, spent uh, 16 years on a, a tactical team as a uh, paramedic uh, on attached to a tactical team. So, uh, so I I have some experience using this equipment, and uh, that's how I got the job. And one of one of the guys I used to work with was my first captain in the fire service. He ended up going up there, uh, getting a job, and then I worked for him from. 07 to 17 on the part-time basis, just doing like trade shows and some trainings and things like that. And then eventually made the move, uh, full-time. Nice, man. How long you been in fire or how long were you uh, in fire? So I was, uh, 21 years of fire and EMS total. Uh, I was in uh, Pinellas County, Florida. Uh, I worked for safety Harbor for a short time and then Clearwater uh, fire department. Nice. So they're right, they're right next door to each other. Just moved over to a, uh, when I said bigger department, some people will laugh because I went from a two station department to an A station department, but they had more opportunities. And one of the things I really wanted was to uh, be on the, uh, SWAT team. Uh, Columbine happened when, uh, in 98, when I first, uh, you know, got in the, uh, 99, when I first got in the fire service. And so I really wanted to be on a SWAT team at that point. So that's why I made move that's pretty badass man so what's what's it like doing tac medicine for swat team what's that like um it's it's funny because it's really more uh making sure guys are hydrating and uh it's not that glamorous really you know i mean just make sure your guys are hydrating they're doing the things they're supposed to you know when you have tryouts for swat making sure guys aren't doing uh insane uh, pre-workout stuff and checking rhythms. I mean, it's not, it's not as glamorous as it sounds. I mean, we've had, a, we did have a couple of shootings and, and stuff, but for the most part, you're doing, uh, you're doing team health and things like that and making sure you guys are good to go. And as a team, you know, medic or whatever, they're going to come to you for whatever ails them, you know? Yeah. So it was, it was, it was fun though. We had a good time, got to do uh, a lot of cool things. So it was, it was definitely worth it. Miss, I missed the guys that worked with. It was, it was fun. Nice, man. I can imagine that's pretty high stress, though, because when uh, if medical service is needed in an environment or a theater like that, it's needed now and it's to the extreme, like <laughs> shit hits the fan moments. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely an adrenaline, you know, I mean, uh, for us, most of our, uh, all, all our things were one patient, you know, either the uh, the the bad guy, you know, killed himself or shot himself or, you know, uh, somebody took the shot on the team and then we had to treat them. So luckily while I was on the team, we never had one of our team members uh, get seriously injured. So, uh, you know, just, just uh, smaller injuries that, that were easily taken care of. So we're lucky. That's a good thing though. Right. Everybody yes, comes home yes. safe. Yes, sir. Hell yeah. So what made you get into fire in the first place? Uh, you mentioned something there about Columbine and uh, that was your kind of your entrance into wanting to get into a SWAT team. And that was, you know, a long time ago. Maybe some of our listeners on this show probably don't even remember Columbine. They just know it from like a story or a newspaper article or some sort of research. But what made you get into fire? What made you get into uh, all the other stuff? So uh, two things maybe uh, want to be a fireman. The first thing I was driving on the interstate when I was 18 years old, going to horseshoeing school uh, up in Georgia from Florida and a, a car overturned in front of me and a, uh, a mom got ejected out of the van and so did a six year old boy. And oh, no. it ended up that the, the yeah, the, the boy ended up dying. Uh, and I didn't know what to do. Uh, and it really bothered me. And there's nothing I could do when you look back, but at the time I really didn't know what to do. And I thought I might've been able to do something. It really bothered me for a long time. And then, um, the other, the second thing was I was riding a bull riding at a jackpot rodeo and they had, volunteers on scene and they didn't really do anything for me. I got hit by the horn on a bull and 
Uh, we didn't wear vests then. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so you just, you know, I got hit, it ended up breaking my rib with a tension pneumonia. So, you know, I could, uh, I, I ended up, my wife drove me to the hospital. And, uh, after that, I was like, I can, I can do better than that. So I went, uh, after I got better, I walked over to the fire station next to me, said, how to become a fireman. They say, go to EMT school, go to fire academy, go to paramedic school. I go, okay. That's what I did. Nice, man. So, so bull riding, you must be an adrenaline seeker because, uh, I, 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 to this day, I am convinced that bull riders have the biggest cojones out there. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, you know, you're young and dumb. You can, you know, you can do it for a little while when you're young. So it's not, you know, not longevity. I wasn't very good at it, but I had a lot of fun at it and did it for uh, about two years. And then I ended up, uh, that actually ended up, uh, stopping my, my bull ride. So that was, that was the last time I, I rode. And, uh, when you're, when you're young with a young family, you know, you end up in the hospital and you're not getting paid. You know, maybe I, maybe I should rethink some things. So that's a tough career path to have man riding bulls because there's no guarantee if you guys are going to get paid or not. And if you're laid up, like you're saying, man, like if you're broken, like you're screwed, you're a, pers- yeah, you're a professional athlete, you know? Yeah. I had, I had a re- I had a regular job, uh, you know, and I just did that for fun. And, uh, you know, and like I said, it was fun. I, you know, I thought I was okay at it. And then that happened and then, all right, well, let's get a new plan. So I started going back to school and getting serious and uh, became a firefighter paramedic. I had so. to do that real job. <laughs> I'm doing air quotes here. <laughs> exactly. If you call, you know, a structure firefighter, a real job, you know, 24 hours on, 48 hours off. Sounds so, like a legit little uh, work schedule there. <laughs> it was good. It was good. It was fun. Yeah, it's definitely a lot different from the wildland perspective though. I mean, uh, I mean, we're pretty much employed, you know, on call. Well, we work a 40 hour a week job standardized during the summer, but you know, for the most part, we could be gone the next day for, you know, up to 21 days for 16 hours a day. So it's a lot different. It is a lot different. And you can keep that. I'll, uh, you know, I know a lot of wildland guys like, man, I don't want to do structural firefighting, structural firefighting. And I, I say the same thing about wildland firefighting. Okay. You guys do what you do. We'll do what we do and we'll keep it there. Well, there's definitely a big difference there. Like we were saying, man. And, uh, you know, it's, it's there to kudos to each side of that fire fire environment, you know, because I, no, I don't definitely. know if I'd be caught dead running into a burning building, but then again, a lot of those structure guys, it's the opposite. They wouldn't be caught dead running into a forest fire either. Right. And where, where I worked, we didn't really have a lot of, uh, brush or anything. So we, when we fought those, we just dragged hose through the woods so, you know, we didn't do it right. Uh, it's not, you know, we just, we didn't have enough of it to, to do it right, I guess. Uh, forestry wasn't closed, so we just drag a hose through the woods. So the nights that I had those, I'm like, man, I hate this. So, but not that we were, we were doing it right, though, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't the way you guys do it. Yeah, it's <clears> definitely <throat> different worlds, that's for sure, man. So uh, what got you working for uh, North American Rescue? Uh, like I said, uh, my, the first captain, uh, my boss, me and him worked together. Uh, he was my first captain at, uh, at the small, smaller department that I was at. And, uh, we, we actually went, ended up going to Clearwater, uh, together. And then we went to SWAT school together and, you know, just had to have a real good friendship. And, uh, you know, when he, when he came up here, he needed, he didn't need a full-time guy, just needed some people, uh, you know, somebody to come every once in a while, do the bigger trade shows when you work the booths and stuff. And since I was familiar with the products, uh, that's how it, that's how it happened. So I did some, you know, did some, training with the military, did some stuff with fire and EMS and, but did a lot of trade shows mostly. Nice, man. So you probably get a lot of training, like a lot of medical training. I, I'd only assume that you get a, a shit ton of medical training working with NAR. 
So we, we do some stuff. Uh, we, we get to go to a, a cadaver lab, uh, not every year, but uh, when I was part-time at North American Rescue and I got to go to that cadaver lab, I'm like, man, I wish, I wish everybody I work with could go to this. You know, we learned, learned a lot. We learned a lot about anatomy and it was things that, uh, that we all should know, or, you know, you might've heard before, but when you see it, it's better. Um, kind of uh, makes more sense once you see it. <clears throat> definitely. And, uh, it, the cadaver lab we went to was actually in uh, near San Antonio and they would, uh, it was in the back of the fire station. So those, so those guys were able to get it uh, quite often. Uh, but where I work, we didn't have anything like that. So it was, it was definitely cool. And I, you know, again, I, I wish it was something that everybody that I worked with could, could, could do. Nice, so, man. Get to little- yeah, that's cool, man. Like, especially when you get to actually see it, like you're saying it, uh, when you get to see it on a cadaver or you get to see like, even, you know, like analogs, like pig organs or pig, whatever we, we do a lot of stuff with that. And, uh, my, e, my AEMT class, and once you get to see it in practicality, it, it kind of is a game changer in my opinion. Oh, definitely. I mean, any time you can, you know, not using mannequins and you're looking at what you're going to be working on, it's definitely, uh, you know, helps. Oh, absolutely. So let's get into NAR, man. Let's get into North American rescue. And once I say NAR, everybody's like, yeah, sure. The NAR. No, I'm talking about North American rescue guys. So let's talk about North American rescue. What do you, what are you guys all about? So, uh, we started, uh, we are a company that makes kits, you know, uh, with products with a mission means you're driven uh, by tactical combat casualty care, uh, care guidelines and uh, using evidence-based medicine, uh, for our kits. So, you know, we have the cat tourniquet, uh, it's been used uh, pretty much you know, by the military law enforcement, uh, fire EMS with the stop the bleed program. Now we're teaching everybody to use it. So, um, and that's pr- pretty much in every one of our kits. And then we have, you know, pressure dressings, gauze, hemostatics. So, uh, everything we try to do is evidence-based meaning that, uh, you know, it's, we look at what we look at problems and try to solve that problem and, you know, or find products that solve that problem. And, and bring them on. Uh, so. Nice. Yeah. And there's this thing that you guys were mentioning too, is uh, evidence-based medicine. Now, now, now we're getting into something, right? This is, this is critically important, especially in like a life or death situation. You want to have the best gear, the best knowledge, the best training out there. So that's something that you guys, you guys provide. Yeah. I mean, what we want to do is we want to provide point of wounding care. So, you know, the, the first person, whether it's the, the medic, the, the law enforcement officer, uh, you know, the lay person next to, next to the person at church or some, you know, some kid who had a, a fall on the playground, uh, and now has major bleeding that they can control that pro you know, control the bleeding using our products and that they will work. So that's what we provide. Yeah, I definitely carry a couple of your guys' cat tourniquets, uh, one in my range bag and one in my car, <laughs> as a matter of fact. And uh, I don't know Very what good. it is. I don't know what it is about your guys' tourniquets, but uh, I, I, they're super easy to use. Um, they're also tough as hell too. They're not going to like break. I know there's like a lot of rip off corporations out there that'll try and like copy your your design. And, yeah, there's uh, definitely a lot of counterfeits dangerous. out there. And it's, a, it's definitely a big problem because uh, sometimes people only get half the information that you, they hear. Uh, tourniquets are good. You know, tourniquets are safe and effective now. It's not the last resort as it was, you know, when I went to school. And they only get half the information and then they, they just start Googling tourniquets. And when you Google, you know, if you Google tourniquets and you look at Amazon, uh, there's a lot of things, uh, a lot of counterfeit tourniquets out there. And sometimes they even use our our images to make it look, you know, to to show that it's a cat tourniquet and 
Um, that's just not the case. So unfortunately there, and there's a lot of misinformation out there about, uh, tourniquets, you know, about, uh, counterfeit tourniquets people think oh i can use them for training you know and i don't have to spend the money on the on the real ones uh so but you know there's no quality control there's no you know if you're not trained on the real thing you're not going to know how to use it oh absolutely so i mean you might get you may get the idea to use it but you know if if you're doing in training and those break it's not going to give you confidence and you know in a tourniquet so then you're, you're probably less likely to use it so Nice, man. Yeah, it, no, you. it's definitely a thing there. Um, using the right equipment, it's it's paramount. I'd hate to have one and uh, need it and have it fail in the field. That would suck. Exactly. And that's happened. Uh, I can't remember what state it was in. I want to say New Hampshire, maybe, where uh, an ambulance company did put some counterfeit tourniquets on the, on the ambulance. The uh, EMT or medic used, used them. They failed. And then he had, he was in the military, had one of his own, put it on and it worked. So, you know, it happens. People are trying to sometimes trying to save a couple dollars and, but it puts them, it puts people's lives at risk. Oh, absolutely. So that's a good word of warning and advice to uh, our structure municipal guys out there that are listening to the show and also our wildland uh, medics that are out there in the field. Know your tools, definitely know your tools, know you guys are having quality stuff. So definitely. Yeah. Um, so speaking of emergency medicine, now let's, let's get into some differences, man. You've been a paramedic fire or firefighter paramedic for a majority of your life. <laughs> so, and we, as I mean, our listener base here is primarily going to be wildland. So it's going to be more remote, dirty medicine. So there's going to be some key differences between that. Let's get into that. All right. Uh, so you, uh, your guys still need to, you know, the wildland firefighters are using chainsaws, you, uh, heavy equipment, still a chance for some major bleeding, uh, some, uh, injuries that could, you know, uh, cause amputations, uh, you know, could kill you. So, um, you know, I, I definitely think that uh, some of the products that we have can definitely, uh, fit into what you need to do. You know, the cat tourniquet, as we talked about the pressure dressing, um, hemostatic agents, uh, get, getting, uh, being able to use the hemostatic agent, know how to use it uh, and stop bleeding effectively. Uh, you know, if you uh, take a chainsaw and you get it in the groin area, the tourniquet's not going to work. So you want to make sure you know how to pack that wound uh, and be able to uh, take care of that on yourself or your buddy. So, yeah. And that's the thing too, is like a lot of these uh, skills in street medicine can be translated over to that remote medicine kind of environment. Um, but it's also a lot different. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, the the skills themselves are the same. It's just uh, it's just going to be a different environment. It's going to take longer for you to uh, you know to possibly evacuate your patient. So you might have to take them uh, take care of them longer. So you know, so getting some good knowledge is definitely uh, a plus. Whereas it, where I worked, you know, our transport times we worked the patient twenty minutes, took them to the hospital. You know, with thirty minutes, the, the patients to the hospital uh, to a trauma center too if we needed. So. Uh, it's definitely going to be different uh, guys in uh, in the nowhere fighting brush fires, you know, especially if you jumped in or whatever, you know, it's definitely going to be different. So the, the, the practical skills, putting a tourniquet on, packing a wound, that's going to be the same, but uh, the, the care from there on out is going to be a little different. Yeah, definitely with extrication too. It's always important to have a plan, you know, and a backup plan and a backup to your backup to your backup plan. <laughs> Well, I'm sure it's no real difference between uh, street medicine and 
and that, you know, the remote medicine aspect, I'm pretty sure you guys have to have the same kind of level of contingency that we do in the field. It's just in a different context. Yeah. I'm sure you guys have like a, a medical, uh, threat assessment or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you fill that out? Like we did that for SWAT, you know, you're looking at different uh, things for us, you know, uh, is there drugs, guns, you know, things that we already know about kids in the house, that kind of stuff for you. It's going to be, you know, your evacuation time, where's the, you know, trauma center, uh, you know, and especially if you're somewhere where you're not, you don't know the area, you know, you got to pre-plan those things first to make sure that, that everybody's on the same page and where you're going. Yeah. We use something that's really similar to, uh, the military's, uh, triage kind of card. It's, they use the nine line. Uh, we adopted a similar thing to the nine line. In fact, we used to call it the nine line. Uh, now it's called the mirror M I R. And, uh, if you guys flip through your IRPGs, you can definitely find that, but that is important stuff. And, uh, you know, having that, that reference sheet, it's definitely important. That way you can figure out who's in charge. You have centralized command and you get your communications down as well. Very good. So other than that though, um, as far as like common injuries in the field that we're going to experience as remote medicine, this is the wildland firefighter. Um, we're going to probably be experiencing a majority of trauma. So tree strikes, chainsaw incidents, fall slips, trips, and, uh, also some environmental things too, like, uh, anaphylaxis, um, just your allergic reactions, uh, and also heat illness and heat injuries. So what with those mechanism of mechanisms of injury and nature of illnesses, what do you got for us as far as treatment tools of the trade, all that stuff? What do you got? So, uh, for the massive, uh, you know, hemorrhage, uh, again, we talked about the cat tourniquet, the pressure dressings, the, the hemostatic gauze that we have, uh, for, you know, crush injuries, depending on the injury, uh, and, you know, if it's bleeding or not, you might use the same tools. Uh, we also have sand splint, you know, so you can, uh, splint some things, uh, for, uh, for your fractures. Uh, we have uh, burn gel, uh, for the burns, uh, when you talk about anaphylaxis, smoke inhalation, uh, heat related injuries, you know, you're going to need some ice packs. I'm sure your anaphylaxis comes from the different animals that might be, or the different, uh, you know, the snakes, uh, spiders, uh, bees, uh, wasps, that kind of thing that you guys might be, uh, finding. Yeah. Bees are definitely a huge one. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, that kind of stuff, we don't actually sell any medication, uh, for those, so you're going to need, you know, going to need that. Uh, we don't have oxygen because, you know, we're not gonna, we, uh, we don't sell oxygen. We don't carry oxygen into, you know, point of wounded care. We want to make sure, you know, point of wounding, you're going to take care of that. Again, we're going to do bleeding control for us. Um, the heat related injuries talk about, uh, you know, ice packs and getting, getting your patient cool. And, you know, that's getting that, getting them clothes off if you can and, and getting them, uh, getting their body temperature down and, and stop what they're doing. You know, if they're, if they're, you know, if they're using a chainsaw and all of a sudden you see them, you know, maybe not acting right or something. We, in, in SWAT school, we had it in, in May in Florida and we would have guys on the range and you can just get that look in their eye and you're like, some ain't right. And, you know, have everybody holster up and kind of give them that look in their eyes and they're not home, you know? So for us, it was on the range with, uh, with a weapon, which is dangerous. And for you, you're using chainsaws, uh, you know, which could be just as dangerous. You got a guy falls down, with, you know, the chainsaw on, it's going to do, it's going to not be good. So, and kind of watching out for your buddy, 
you know, as you guys are doing that, we're looking for those uh, signs of heat, uh, heat related injuries. You bring up a good point there though. Um, especially when you're in the field and you just notice something that's not raw, like something's off with your buddy or someone in your squad or your, your crew. It's definitely, imp- it's definitely important to like take a look at that and really understand what's going on. Definitely. And, you know, especially if we're using, you know, using chainsaws or uh, heavy equipment, you know, we want to shut it down and just take a minute and make sure everything's all right. If, if it is all right, then no harm, no foul, you know, we'll get back to work. But if it isn't, you, you, you could have prevented something before it ever started, before it ever happened. Oh, absolutely. So now what about training? I, all these tools of the trade that we described earlier, um, we all need to be trained on that. Right. And now there's different varying levels of first responder. There's EMS, there's ALS, there's all this other stuff all the way up to, you know, your definitive care and your doctor. That's like your chain of, of definitive care, right? Starts at the first responder, goes all the way to definitive care. So definitely go ahead. I was just going to say it even starts before. I mean, you, you say first responder, I'm guessing you're talking about, you know, firemen, EMS and, and law enforcement. And it really starts with the person next to, the person with the injury, right? So with the stop, with the stop to bleed, uh, program and, uh, teaching everybody how to do this, uh, trying to, uh, trying to do, uh, teach them how to use tourniquets and pressure dressings and hemostatic agents and gauze for wound packing. So it's pretty much starts with everybody now. Oh, did I lose? Up oh, there you are. Yeah, it does start with everybody. And now ex- explain stop to bleed. Like what, uh, what is the premise of that program? So the premise of the program is to teach everybody how to uh, kind of like we did with ADs, right? We, we teach everybody CPR. We put ADs everywhere uh, because we know that's what they need, right? We need chest compressions uh, and they need to uh, possibly have a shock, right? And that's what's going to save their lives. And uh, the, the codes that were the, the cardiac arrest that worked out the best are ones when we arrived on scene and somebody was doing efficient CPR on the patient. We get there. Uh, maybe they have the AED hooked up. Maybe they already used it. But those are, when somebody's doing comp- good compressions with good, uh, and, you know, and they have the AED readily available, those are the patients that do the best, right? So that's what we want to do. We want we don't want to have to wait a patient to wait. You know, where I worked, we were about on scene and within four and a half minutes. Four and a half minutes is a good response time, except if you're bleeding from a femoral artery. You know, so then that's enough time to to bleed to death. So uh, the person next to him is the one who can who can help and, you know, start by holding pressure and then having those kits, uh, in places, just like we have AEDs, you know, we have, uh, we have five, we sell five packs, eight packs, individual packs. Everybody's kind of doing something different in their schools and their churches, whatever, but having that equipment so that somebody can go get it, bring it back to the patient and make a difference, uh, before EMS even arrives, you know, uh, we actually just had a uh, gentleman, uh, email us today that he took a, a, a stop the bleed class and, uh, about a year ago and he bought one of our kits and he was up on the roof uh, today at his job uh, and somebody was uh, doing some HVAC work and they sliced their uh, arm uh, with a three inch knife uh, right down their arm and they couldn't stop the bleeding. He ran, he got off the roof, went to his car, got back up and, and put a tourniquet on and stopped the bleeding. So, you know, it, so it doesn't have to be active shooter. You know, it could be, uh, it could be in the workplace uh, in, in Georgia, they had an eight year old, uh, kid fall off the playground, fracture humerus, and uh, lacerate a brachial artery. Uh, the school nurse put a cat tourniquet on to save her life. So it could happen anywhere. So there's probably ways that we haven't even thought about that'll happen yet. Uh, you know, so everybody's got to know how to do it. And that's, that's pretty much the premise is making sure everybody, you know, get, get as many people we can to be able to do it. And the kids in the places 
uh, so that they have the equipment they need to, to be successful. Oh, absolutely. And that's the thing that's cool about you guys too, is you, like you guys provide some of that training too. And if, uh, even if the agency doesn't like say pay for your stop the bleed program or your EMT classes or any of the things, the services that you guys provide, I think it's important to go about your own volition and actually get educated on these subjects because it could very well help you or somebody else standing next to you. Definitely. Uh, we have some videos on our website that are free to use. Anybody can use them. That'll show you how to use the cat tourniquet, show you how to use the pressure dressing, show you how to use any of our, uh, our equipment. So if you have, if you have a kit and have not, you know, you have a kit, but you're, you think you know how to use it, but it's been a while. Maybe you just want, want to look at the video, see a little pressure. Uh, maybe you, you have one and haven't even thought about that, you know? So, uh, they're on there for everybody to use. We do do some uh, stop the bleed training. We'll be doing uh, a bunch of classes, hopefully, uh, in May uh, for National Stop the Bleed Month. If if we can all not be quarantined anymore. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. I knew the Corona thing would come up. <laughs> so you know, uh, National Stop the Bleed Month is May, is May, and National Stop the Bleed Day is May twenty first. So, uh, and the idea there is just to get as many people as we can in the month of May uh, to to get the training that they need uh, to make a difference. So. Absolutely. And that's not an, that's not an art program. That's, uh, you know, that's just some, uh, the national stop the bleeding laws, some guys who just, they want to do the right thing for people, get the information out there. Uh, national stop the bleed day is the American college of surgeons who puts on the stop the bleed program. And during that month, uh, you can go to uh, bleedingcontrol.org, uh, and, uh, or stop the bleed.org and you will find uh, free classes everywhere. Um, that you can just sign up for just uh, search classes and put your zip code in and you'd probably find them on near you. See, that's a good thing though, too, because uh, May is usually around the time that new people are coming on or onboarding is going on for us, uh, at least here in you know the Western states. Right. But it, it's good timing because a lot of this stuff could probably be integrated into your refresher program. So if you guys need some additional training or you guys want to learn something cool, definitely check out these programs because they have a lot of value. Definitely. Uh, yeah, like I said, they're going to help save someone's life. Um, for guys who are, you know, first responders, people listening, uh, we offer uh, discounts to first responders and churches as uh, schools. So, uh, you know, if you went on our website, see the price, you're like, well, you know, give us a call, tell us what you're trying to do and we'll, we can help you out with the price. You know, uh, you'll, you'll get a discounted price. Nice. And then you guys do uh, group setting as well in case like say an agency or a a district wanted to contact you. Do you guys do it? Let's say they don't want to do it all at once, right? And all their, all their seasonals. Do you guys also do that? So uh, it, it depends where you are right now. We have two, uh, we have a bunch of sales guys who have kind of the same background uh, as me. And we have some police officers and some uh, military folks who we put on classes uh, in our Greenville, South Carolina location. Um, if you're, you know, for those agencies that are close and, you know, we, we've done that before. We have North, uh, we have our North American rescue training, um, out of Las Vegas, Nevada. If you're close to there, we do, they do, uh, the, the North American rescue training out of Nevada, uh, Las Vegas. They also, you know, do, will do, uh, programs for people. Uh, you have to call them and see what that price might be. Um, so if obviously if you're closer, it's going to be less expenses. And if we have to travel, you know, that's got to be figured in getting equipment and people out there. So, okay. No. So yeah, definitely check that out. Uh, and I'll uh, post some of that information in the show notes as well. So the Stop the Bleed, Bleed program was a huge success. What else do you guys do for the uh, community? Like uh, I know you guys are heading up the Operation Give Back. 
what, what is that all about? So, uh, we do have, um, we do a couple things for veterans. Uh, we have, uh, uh, in our Greenville, South Carolina office, we do the, uh, we, we do the, uh, coffee with, uh, veterans, uh, trying to help them, uh, get back, find, uh, help them with their resumes. And our, we have our HR folks who uh, try to help the guys, uh, get placed, uh, not at North American rescue, but maybe, uh, help with some skills, uh, things, uh, there and help them maybe with their resume or something they need, uh, to get back into the workforce and civilian life. That's awesome, man. And how long have you guys been doing that? Uh, that program just started, uh, I want to say in the last six months, uh, we started that it's a newer program to us, but, uh, we've done a lot in the past for, for veterans. We, there's a uh, different, different, uh, different organizations that we, that we do help. Um, I don't know all of them offhand. Uh, we have a military side to our business and we have a public safety side and I'm more on the public safety side now. And now that I work, uh, remotely, I, I, I moved up to, South Carolina after I retired and then, uh, it, we ended up moving back to Florida. So now that I'm in the office as much, I don't hear about everything, uh, that's going on, you know, uh, but we do, we do do a lot of good things. Uh, it's a very good, the company's very good about giving back to veterans as, uh, our founder and CEO currently is, uh, a veteran himself as is a lot of the guys I work with. Nice, man. That's cool. We get a lot of veterans in our community too. Uh, the wildland fire, uh, community as well. So I definitely appreciate that. Now you guys give it back. You guys are giving it back to the community in awesome ways. Um, now what else do you guys do as far as like new stuff do you guys have coming out? What else do you guys have? So uh, the, the newest thing we have is uh, we have the abdominal aortic junctional tourniquet I saw uh, that. Is, is, is newer to us. Uh, we did not invent it, but it's one of those things that definitely fills a need. Um, you can use it in a junction. You can use it as a pelvic binary, uh, not only in the junction in the, in the gro- uh, groin area, but in the uh, ax- axillary uh, area as well. And then also, uh, for those who are familiar with Rebola, uh, it would be, you know, for surgery, the, the trauma surgeon can stick a, 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 a catheter up into your uh, femoral artery, into your aorta, blow up a balloon, and then stop bleeding. And basically, this is what this can do. You put it over the... Uh, the umbilicus and then you tighten it up just like you would any uh tourniquet where you want to take all the slack out of it you crank it down and then you you uh pump it up like a blood pressure cuff and it, basically you're going to shut the aorta down so if you have so much lower extremity trauma that you know there's no way you can pack it or you know so much that you can easily uh basically just shut off the valve uh with it so it's definitely something that fits our our profile and it definitely is uh you know what we see as a, uh, a good tool to put in your toolbox. Um, we have all, we also have the quantum blood and fluid warming system. Um, uh, and in EMS, we're not very good about keeping our patients warm. You know, hypothermia, hypothermia and trauma is a problem. Uh, it causes, as you get, as a patient gets colder, it causes more problems and they can't clot. So uh, I know that as a fireman and over the, over my time in it, you know, I would be, I'd be sweating. I worked in Florida, you have your bunker coat on, you're taking your coat off and you get them in the ambulance, uh, you take them to the trauma center and the, the AC's on, you know, and, you know, we're learning that we've learned that that's not, you know, our patient needs to be warm because when you get them to the trauma center, you could take them into the trauma room there and, you know, the room's very hot and then they put a warm blanket on them as soon as they can. So, you know, if we can in EMS and even uh, before that, if we can prevent the loss of uh, heat, it'll be better for the patient. So uh, the giving warm fluid and warm blood 
uh, to our patients uh, is very beneficial. So uh, they, we, we, a couple of years ago, we, this was made for the military. So guys could bring it on uh, patrol with them, real low profile, real compact. Um, so they could take it with them. Uh, we didn't think that EMS agencies would really look at it, but uh, in San Antonio areas kind of got found a way to make the whole system work where you're not using a lot of, you know, you're not wasting a lot of blood. You, they have a program in place and they're kind of telling everybody how to do this program. So there's a lot, a lot of interest in other EMS uh, agencies and stuff uh, looking to give blood in the future, which is pretty exciting. Cause I, I didn't, you know, I really didn't see that coming. I, didn't, I was like, how are we going to do the system I worked in? You know, we, I worked for a city, but we were a County system. Uh, so, you know, you close to 70 fire stations, 50 ambulances. I'm like, how is that going to work? But, you know, but I believe that with the system they have in place that maybe you can, you can ramp it up or ramp it down depending on your scale. Uh, and, and, you know, it would be better for the patients in the future. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, and, and it's, it's new to EMS. That's a huge thing too, because uh, a lot of people are like the old method of thought, and this is obviously way outside of the scope of uh, the wildland uh, scope of practice. But the old thought is to to just do two big bore IV lines and start flushing, start providing fluids. Right, that's like the old adage. And now they're coming to find out that well, you're just diluting whatever's left in there. If they're hyperperfused already, you're just doing them a disservice. Definitely. Yeah. We, you know, we started a little while ago, you know, uh, not giving so much fluid, you you know, not not putting those two, uh, large bore IVs in, you know, just trying to perfuse the patient. So, you know, we're, we're, we're getting smarter as we go, but you know, that's why they call it practicing medicine. So we're still learning and we're still improving on what we're doing. And so this is, this looks like it's the next step and you know, that's pretty exciting. No, that's awesome, man. And definitely, uh, I hope to see that you guys are, well, let me rephrase that. You guys are a huge proponent of using whole blood products in the field. And I know this came out of the military and some of our experiences, uh, in global war on terror. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, all the information that, that, you know, we're getting, uh, unfortunately, as long as the conflict is going on, you know, we got a lot of good information, uh, medically, so, and that's being, that's being transferred, you know, from giving everybody tourniquets now, or, you know, back in the day, tourniquets were the last resort. Now we know tourniquets save lives. And if we can put them, uh, you know, kind of everywhere, like we did with AADs, we could probably save a lot of lives, mm-hmm. you know? So. And that's one thing I've definitely seen popping up, uh, in random places of like the beach, Costco's, all sorts of places. I've been seeing these stop the bleed kits come up quite often. Yeah. The bleeding control kits. I mean, you'll see them in airports, uh, uh, churches are, are a big thing. There's a lot of people concerned about church security. Um, they have church security teams. They have, you know, they have the, the bleeding control kits there. And again, you know, everybody active shooters, the, the big headline, uh, but you know, things happen every day where it's not necessarily an active shooter or, you know, or an act of violence. It is an accident, purely an accident. And, you know, you still need the same bleeding control products. So, I think, you know, it's, it's great that they're out there. Unfortunately, you know, the reason why it, this program came about is right. Sandy hook was the word out, you know, I was, that's the elementary school. I, I was looking for after the Sandy hook incident. That's why this all came about. Um, so, but you know, everybody needs them. I mean, some of the worst accidents, some of the worst accidents I've been on motorcycle accidents, you know, cause when you're get hit mm-hmm. by a car and you're on a motorcycle, there's a lot of lower extremity trauma. Oh yeah. You know? Um, so some of the worst injuries I've seen that needed tourniquets were, uh, were those people on motorcycles. So, you know, we, I did, I did some stop the bleed classes for Harley ownership group. 
you know, uh, and they can see the necessity in it. So again, we keep talking about, uh, the active shooter, but you know, motorcycle accidents, you, know, you look at dirt bikes, uh, you look at the workplace safety. So, all, and trauma is the number one cause. I mean, uh, bleeding is the number one cause of death from ages like one to 44. So, oh, wow. you know, we, so yeah, so hopefully we can, you know, in the future that, that will not be the case. You know, we'll, we'll save a lot of lives and hopefully that statistic will change. I hope so, man. So moving on from that, um, what is, uh, do you guys happen to get into the future of wilderness medicine by any chance? Are you guys going to develop any products specifically for remote medicine? Um, we have, we have a adventure line as we, we call it. So there's some things in there, uh, you know, that has more, uh, your everyday stuff. I mean, I mean, if you're, if you're out there you might not, you may need a band aid. you may need a little burn gel, you may need, you know, so it has a, a lot of different things in it that you may need. Uh, so and those are on our, uh, adventure line needs are If you go to our main page uh, and click on adventure, those kids will be in there. Okay. And, uh, are you guys thinking about doing anything specifically for wildland fire in the future? Um, we haven't yet. Um, again, you know, if you're close enough to get to our training facility in Las Vegas or in Greenville and you happen to be a wildland firefighter, hit us up. Uh, if you're, uh, if you're in Florida, you can hit me up. Uh, I, I live in Florida, so I do quite a few bleeding control classes. I'll be glad to come out, you know, and, and, and give you guys a class. Uh, unfortunately, there's only so many of us and we, you know, we can't go all over the place. It's just not, it, it probably when they call us, it would be economically uh, friendly to them. You know, if we, if they don't, if they're not close by. So, oh, yeah. but I, I definitely think it's important. Oh, definitely. Now what's the future of uh, North American rescue? Where would you like to see it go? So, well, we've, I mean, we've done a lot of growing, uh, this past couple of years, uh, you know, we, we did just medical products. Uh, we have a simulations part of the company now, uh, formerly ITTS and they have the Tom mannequin. Um, that is a high fidelity mannequin that you can, uh, you know, put her under a car, put it in a car. Uh, they have a submerged uh, one that you can put in the water so that you can, you know, practice all your skills and it will, you know, and still have the realistic, uh, effects of the high fidelity mannequins. So that's uh, NAR simulations. Uh, again, we required uh, North, uh, the North American rescue training uh, a couple of years ago as well. So we have those, we're starting there. We have a, in the Greenville area, we're, we're kicking up that as well. They have some online uh, EMT and uh, AEMT classes. Actually, they got a 20% coupon going on right now where you take it online, but then you go out uh, to them to do your, to finish up your clinicals and stuff. Oh, that's pretty so, cool. yeah. So, uh, so there's a couple different things there. Um, so, and then we just want to keep, uh, getting products that, you know, help save lives. So nice. Well, yeah, I definitely appreciate what you guys are doing out there. Um, I use your stuff and, uh, I think it's awesome. So keep on doing what you guys are doing. So we appreciate uh, it. We yeah. appreciate it. Anytime, man. So I think that's about the tie in point of the show. Uh, thanks for coming on. But at the end of the show, usually I, uh, like to give you an opportunity to give a shout out to a homie, a hero or a mentor. <laughs> I'd like to uh, give a shout out to all uh, the guys from my, uh, from Clearwater fire department and the Clearwater SWAT. Uh, you know, those are, those are my guys and, uh, be safe and all the first responders be safe out there. And, you know, right now with what's going on, you know, try, try not to get it, but, uh, take care of your patients and wear your PPE. Absolutely. Even though PPE is kind of in a short supply, what I hear right now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just standard precautions. Take care of you guys selves. Wash your damn hands. Yes, sir. Cool. So where can we find you? Email, social, uh, website. So, uh, North American rescues at narescue.com. Um, 
Uh, my email is choyne, C-H-O-Y-N-E, at narescue.com if anybody has any questions. Um, there's also a contact us uh, part on the webpage that you can find a, a bunch of guys' emails at. Uh, you know, if you have any questions, uh, if you'd like products, feel free to call the number, uh, the customer service number and tell them that you're a first responder or you're looking for stuff for your church or school. And, uh, we'll set you up with an account and, uh, give you, give you a discount on the products. Uh, so it's not doing any good on the shelves in our warehouse, you know, it needs to be out in the community where it can make a difference. Absolutely. Do you guys do GSA contracts as well? So we have, uh, we have GSA pricing. Perfect. Uh, we're not on, we're not on GSA contract. We have other contracts as well, but yes. Perfect. So, so you guys, station managers, captains, all that stuff. If you guys need to update your uh, EM, EMT kits on your rigs, definitely hit these guys up. Yeah, even if for yourself, you, you guys are, you know, so we understand that a lot of guys have to buy their own equipment. You know, departments don't always, uh, so we'll give you give individuals a discount too, you know, so, so they can uh, get the right equipment they need. Perfect. Well, Chris, I'm sure you're going to be uh, getting inundated with calls and uh, messages here. So <laughs> uh, yeah, oh. thanks for coming on the show, man. I appreciate it. No problem. I appreciate you having me. It was nice talking to you. Absolutely, Chris. I'll take care, man. Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right, guys, there we go. Another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast is in the books with Chris Hoyne from North American Rescue. Chris, dude, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your experiences in the field and uh, teach us why it's important to uh, have quality training and quality equipment in our EMT bags. It's definitely important stuff. Anyways, uh, for the rest of you guys, I uh, hope that your corona quarantine is going well. Uh, I did have, and it, it, it's affecting everybody, and it kind of sucks, but hey, take it as an opportunity. I know that I had uh, several trade shows and several episodes canceled uh, because of this, but hey, you know, tough titties. That's just what it is, I guess. But anyways, take this time for uh, improving your PT, studying, study up on the uh, being a student of fire, if you will. Get some extra PT in and uh, take care of your damn selves. Anyways, hope you guys are good. Stay safe. Stay salty. Later. <laughs>